<laughs> Amen. We have been looking at personalities surrounding the arrival of Jesus Christ. We talked about Elizabeth. We talked about Zechariah. We've talked about Mary. But I want you to know that my, one of my favorite characters is one that we don't know a whole lot about, and that's Joseph. You see, I have a very strong appreciation for stepfathers. Those godly stepfathers and foster fathers who have stepped up to the plate to become what God expects them to be to children that they have not fathered. But are considered a father figure to these children. Such was Joseph. Joseph was not the real father of Jesus, and yet he was thrust into that role by God for a number of reasons, and we want to talk about those today. So we're going to pick this up in Matthew 1, verses 18 and following. This is how the Bible reads. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet the virgin sh shall conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Amen. Well, it was none other than John Milton who wrote, they also serve who stand and wait. You know, there's something to be said for people who are willing to receive whatever God has for them. And they may question it, they may uh, balk at it immediately or initially, and yet they are willing by faith to receive whatever it is that God has for them and whatever task God puts before them as well. Such was Joseph. Joseph, what do you know about him, actually? We don't know a whole lot. We know he was from the line of David, as the prophets predicted he would be, as was Mary. And we know that he was a carpenter. We know that he lived in Nazareth. We can think that David was probably a man who had been uh, raised at the elbow of his father uh, into the carpentry trade, he learned it well from his father, and, and this was his profession. But other than that, what do we know about him? Very little. You see, there are three things that allowed Joseph to be used by God for this extremely important position. 
Number one, he was a righteous man. Verse 19 says that because Joseph was faithful to the law, he was a righteous man. Righteous means that he was rightly related by, to God by his obedience in faith to what God had asked him to do. Now, God takes righteous people to perform his great works. And God wanted somebody that was rightly related to him, who was obedient to him, who had a measure of faith that would propel him through the future because this was not going to be an easy assignment. Joseph had to have a faith that was unshakable in his walk with the Lord, in his relationship with Mary, and in his relationship with the family and friends of both he and Mary. It was a tough thing. God had found this particular person in Joseph. So I think our first condition for you and I when we are expecting to hear from God and hear His call to us about any particular thing that He's going to ask us to do. Are we righteous? Are we rightly related to God? Do we have, are we pursuing some kind of sin? Are we have unconfessed sin in our lives? Do we have that relationship with God that is just comes so naturally to us? From the moment that we wake in the morning, are we conscious of God's presence until we lay our heads on a pillow at night? Are we, do we have that righteous indication? Well, secondly, the Bible says that Joseph was an honorable man because in verse 19 he says, he did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. You see, I can just see Joseph. This whole process of, of uh, marriage was an interesting process. It's where in that time and, and age and that culture and that setting and that situation, you had three steps to marriage. You had parents of a girl and parents of a boy would get together usually when they were quite young in age. And they would make this determination that their children would become husband and wife sometime in the future when they were of marrying age. And then you had that point, that second stage, where there was a betrothal. The betrothal is like a, uh, an engagement, if you will. And in that day and age, when they were announced to be betrothed, it usually lasted a year, and in that year, it, they were considered marriage, married. And it had all the uh, implications of a real marriage, though it was not consummated until after the wedding. Now, the only way that that relationship could be severed is by death or divorce. So, the Bible says that Joseph was an honorable man. God knew this. God knew that Joseph loved this, this young lady, Mary. God knew that he was an honorable man and he was not willing to do anything to harm her whatsoever. He was considering any number of options, two mainly. What could I do? The two options that I'm thinking about, Joseph ran through his head. 
this, this thing about her being pregnant. I mean, she was gone for three months. I had no idea where she was, Joseph was thinking. And then when she comes back from her cousin Elizabeth, she says to me that she's pregnant. Well, you know the town wags are going nuts. You know that the rumor mill is going berserk. Everybody's talking about Mary, and now they're talking about Joseph. Was it Joseph, or was it somebody else? And Joseph is thinking, what do I do? If I, if I file for divorce, I have to take her before the priest. And if I tell him the reason for this is because I'm not the father of this child, then she, according to law, would be taken to a precipice, a cliff, or a and thrown off and then stoned to death. I can't do that, Joseph was thinking. But maybe I can just send her away privately, pay some money. I don't have much money at all, Joseph was thinking. And, and yet, if I send her away and she has her baby, the life of an unwed or a single mother in that day and age was extremely hard and torturous. She would have a hard way eking her uh, way out of to make a living. But he was an honorable man. And God knows that honorable people who are righteous, who are rightly related to him, don't want to do anything to bring shame or disgrace on anyone, much less somebody they love. So I guess the second question is, not only are you righteous, but are you honorable? Do you ever want to say or do anything to bring disgrace upon anyone in the church family, in the community, in your own biological family? Being honorable means that you're not willing to do that. And then thirdly, he was an obedient man. The Bible says in verse 24 that he did just what the angel told him to do. The angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now, that was the third option, and God proposed it. The angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. After Joseph had considered these two options, an angel appeared to him in a dream and said, I've got a third option, Joseph. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. Jesus, the Lord saves, is what that word means. And so, he took the third option proposed by God through his angel, took Mary as his wife, kept her pure until after the birth of Jesus. Hmm. You know... All three of these elements are very important because growing up, Joseph had to continue to be righteous, he had to continue to be honorable, and he had to continue to be obedient because there in just a short while, King Herod would hear from three wise men there had, there had been a born king there in the Judean area, and Herod sent out the message make all male boys, male children, two years of age and younger in the Bethlehem and Judean area, killed. I want no king 
other than myself in this area. And so that night when Herod was about to put that edict out, an angel appeared to Joseph and said, Joseph, take your family, gather everything you've got and flee to Egypt because Herod is going to kill the male children in your area and we want Jesus to escape harm. So Joseph had to be righteous, had to be rightly related to God at that point. He had to be obedient to the point where he said to Mary, Honey, we got to go. Pack it up. In the middle of the night, the Bible says, they fled to Egypt and stayed there until Herod passed away. And then the angel came to him and told him to go back home. But don't go back to Bethlehem. Go to Nazareth. So he was willing. He was obedient, he was righteous, he was honorable, and he was obedient. Then there came that time when Jesus was 12 years old. You think about it. Here is Jesus, and he is the only other time we hear from Joseph is when they go to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. You see, God knew that Joseph was a righteous man. He would raise the Son of God in a godly environment and would expose him to all the godly elements as required by Jewish religion. And so the Bible says that every year Joseph took his family with to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover as was the custom to do. And this was a year where Jesus stayed back. Wow, what was that all about? Joseph usually, went when they went with their family and friends, they went in an entourage, kind of a caravan, and they were all grouped together, and, and they would look after each other's children on the way. You can imagine, you've been around family functions like that, and as they're celebrating this feast, it took them three days away from Jesus before they found him. He had stayed back in Jerusalem. They were heading back to Nazareth, and when they found him, he was in the temple courts and he was questioning the scholars, the scribes, the Pharisees. And when Mary, his mother, came to him, Mary did what mothers always do. She really scourged him because she said, you brought so much pain on us. Why are you here? To which he said, did you not know? that I had to be about my father's house. Now what does that say to a stepfather? You're not my dad. You're not my real father. Though I appreciate all you've done for me. And Joseph had the spirit of God to be willing to take second place. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, only he who believes is obedient and only he who is obedient Believes. Now that willingness to take second place, that ability, that, that, that uh, quality that was in Joseph, not to be the one who would be singled out in the family because from the time of Jesus' birth, he would not be singled out. Can you imagine? You know, I think a lot about Joseph during this Christmas season. And I think about Joseph as he is, is there with, with Mary. 
he spent nine months or six, nine months of Mary's pregnancy. But in that period of time, you know that as a, as a young man, here Joseph is listening to all of the gossip about them. When they walk down the, the dirt paths of, of Nazareth, you can imagine, as he's walking, as he's doing anything that he's doing in the carpentry skills, the whispers around, is that Joseph? You heard about Mary. And they always had a little asterisk by their name wherever they were because they see that maybe this wasn't the child of Joseph. And he had to listen to all of that. But, but he loved Mary. And then, then to add injury to insult, he has been given this decree that says that you'll go to your place of heritage which for him being in the line of David was Bethlehem and you must be counted there's a census that hadn't been taken in a long time and the Roman government feels that there are taxes that need to be collected that haven't been collected in a long time and maybe just maybe you have been omitted from our taxation so you will go, but he complained, my wife is pregnant. She's in, her going, she's in her ninth month of pregnancy. Now Nazareth is 70 miles from Bethlehem. By donkey, that's a five-day journey. Can you imagine? Think about Joseph. Here he is. He's walking by the side of his wife who is on a donkey in her ninth month of pregnancy. And I believe I would hear groans out of all the women that have given birth. Not only was it uncomfortable, it was miserable. And he is thinking the whole way, I can't believe that I'm having to do this to Mary. I cannot believe, though I, I raised a complaint about Mary, my wife being pregnant, expecting a child at any minute, I still have to go to Bethlehem. And then when he arrives there, there's no room anywhere for them to stay because of the crowd of the people. And the, it's just really a small little village. No place to stay. But the innkeeper offers him a stable area. And there he is. That night, Mary is writhing in pain because she's got birth pains. He's got her on straw. Probably has the blanket that he put across the donkey across her. And as he listens to her cries and her agony, he's looking at the animals in the stable area with a stench around him thinking, God, is this really the way it's supposed to be? I mean, could the Messiah not come to a palace? Could the Messiah not come to the, the greatest of, of places on earth? And yet here we are in a stable area? Did I do right? Am I being faithful? Or uh, what, what's my problem, Joseph is thinking? Well, he's probably outside thinking, it's not supposed to be this way. I have no family. I have no friends around. Just me and Mary. I don't even have a midwife. Just have cattle, sheep. Could you not send somebody? 
And then all of a sudden, there's these shepherds that come running up. And they're out of breath. And they stink. They smell just like the stable. Who better would be comfortable in a stable scene than shepherds? And there they come. And they said, oh, you won't believe it. Joseph, guess what? Here we are. I mean, we were out on the field tending our sheep. And this, an angel came to us. And they're probably still humming the tune of the heavenly host that joined the angel. And they're saying, this is what happened. And we've been all over Bethlehem. They said we would find the new Messiah in, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And, and, and that's got to be him. And Joseph is getting affirmation from God. Well done, good and faithful servant. I had a purpose for this. And the shepherds are telling you what it was. And so he had to be a righteous man. He had to be a faithful man. He had to be an honorable man and obedient. But he also, in his life, had to be willing to take second place. Because for his entire life, as long as he lived on planet Earth, he would never be the focal point of that family. It would always be Jesus. Are you willing to take second place? Do you have that heart of a servant? Do you know it was asked, Leonard Bernstein, the great orchestra conductor, was asked at one time, what is the most difficult instrument in the orchestra to play? Which I think was a great, an great question. But I do think his answer was even better. Because Bernstein said the most difficult instrument to play in the orchestra is second fiddle. Most people don't want to play second fiddle. They want to be first. They want to be on the first chair of their section in the orchestra. They want to be out front. They want to be acknowledged, recognized, celebrated. But second fiddle is the most difficult instrument to play. And Joseph had the quality and the characteristics of godliness to where he was willing to be a servant. Not the real father, he would never be the focal point of the family. Marrying a pregnant woman amidst all of the rumors and innuendos in the village of Nazareth. You see, here's some names that you may not know. How about the name of John Stolpitz? No. Well, he led a man by the name of Martin Luther to the Lord. There was another man by the name of John Eglin. He was a little-known preacher led Charles Spurgeon to the Lord. And of course, we're probably all more familiar with the man by the name of Edward Kimball, a Sunday school teacher and shoe salesman who led Dwight L. Moody to the Lord. Servants, all. People who are willing to, to receive God's call on their life and not concerned about being first chair. Ch Charles Swindoll puts it this way about servanthood. He says... Servanthood implies diligence, faithfulness, loyalty, and humility. Servants don't compete, he says, or grandstand, or polish their image, or grab the limelight. They know their job, they admit their limitations, and they do what they do quietly and consistently.
Servants cannot control anyone or everything, and they shouldn't try. Servants cannot change or fix people. Servants cannot explain many of the great things that happen. Servants cannot meet most folks' expectations. Servants cannot concern themselves with who gets the credit. Let's serve in the name of Jesus. Rick Warren would add, If you only serve when it's convenient for you, you're not a real servant. Real servants do what's needed, even when it's inconvenient. So there we have it. You see the portrait of a true servant in Joseph. I don't know about you, but my life pales in comparison to that kind of obedience. I see a man who is willing to be and to do whatever the Lord calls him to be and to do. I don't know. You don't see that kind of commitment very often. But God chose Joseph because of his qualities to be that man. Because really, if there was no Joseph, there wouldn't be a Mary. He is very important. Because all of his life, he had to continue to be that person. And to be that servant. And to be that second fiddle. So is that you today? Do you relish the role that God has given you? You know, when you see all of these things, you realize Joseph wasn't selected because he was the best looking, the smartest, the most educated. He wasn't selected because of any of those qualities. Joseph was selected because of his righteousness, his honorable intent, and the fact that he was obedient to the Lord. Now you have to feel the same way about yourself. God called each and every one of us because of His grace. He has put us in our position of responsibility, leadership, service because of our willingness to be used by Him. My question to you today, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Has, has He come to your heart knocking on the door of your heart? This Christmas, I know there's a lot of people that are struggling with some kind of an emptiness. There's always that emptiness that can only be filled through Jesus Christ. God has placed eternity in the hearts of man, the Bible tells us. We all know that we're going to live after we leave planet Earth. But where we're going to live is your decision. Mine is with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I made that commitment years ago. And I'm so glad I did. But while, until that happens, I'm called to be righteous, obedient, honorable. Do you know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you followed Him? Are you looking for a church home? Is this where God is sending you? If this is where God is sending you, this is where you need to be. So won't you come during this invitation? And for all of us, it's a time of rededication. The altar is open for you to come to pray, uh, to kneel here on the pew or wherever you are. Or I will pray with you about any decision the Lord is laying on your heart. Would you stand with me for prayer? Our most gracious Father, we praise you for this day that you've given us, for this blessing that's ours in Jesus.
Lord God, we just ask that you will be with us today. These decisions that are being made, both here in person and those who are viewing this online, Lord Jesus, we ask you to make them public. Father, I just pray that we will live for you faithfully the days of our lives that are left on this earth. Thank you, Lord, for these decisions. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I'll be here at the front to pray with you about any decision the Lord's laid on your heart. Won't you come as we sing?